Today's show is brought to you by Lightning Pod. If you have a podcast, you know that it's a lot of work. But Lightning Pod can help. We've been working with their founder, Eric Johnson, for more than a year now, and he's really helped us take the Smart Home Show to the next level. So if you're starting a new podcast or you want to make your existing podcast better, you should get in touch with Eric. Learn more at lightningpod.fm. Amazon's cabinet with the K. The Nest 3 is finally here. LG goes retrofit smart home, as well as my interview with Kaz Hussein, the head of Connected Home for British Gas, all in this episode of The Smart Home Show. Stay tuned. Hi, everyone. This is Mike Wolf. Welcome to The Smart Home Show. Today is September 1st, the first day of September, nearing the end of summer. I'm sitting here in Seattle where we had windstorms all weekend long. It's like summer said, well, see you later. I'm out of here. And all of a sudden we had 60 mile an hour winds. We had power outages. And it was very crazy. Part of the reason I didn't publish a podcast, but also because I was heading up to Vancouver this weekend, trying to avoid some of the the storm. Uh, We had power most of the weekend up there. Uh, But it's been a crazy time here. And, And it's also crazy because August seemed to just disappear. And now it's September 1st. And my event, the Smart Kitchen Summit, is in two months, November 5th. So that's kind of got me a little bit worried because time is going by fast, making this thing very real. And Smart Kitchen, it seems like it's getting real because there's all sorts of news that seems to be coming out. One of the things that came out last week was Amazon, according to the Wall Street Journal, has been developing a Smart Kitchen computer called Cabinet, Cabinet with a K. And that's interesting. I want to get a little bit into that. But before we do that, I just want to mention our guest for today's podcast is Kas Hussein, who's the head of British Gas's smart home initiatives and efforts helping drive that. And they're very active. Um, as you may or may not know, British Gas acquired Alert Me, which is the smart home software platform that was behind the, the low smart home efforts. But they have a lot going beyond that. They've created the Hive connected thermostat and they just released the Hive 2. It's a really good looking thermostat, by the way. If you haven't seen it, you should check that out. And so we talk about that and overall what British Gas is doing with regards to the smart home and IoT. And it's a pretty interesting conversation. So if you're interested in getting an angle and kind of perspective on what's happening in the UK and what's happening in Europe with regards to the smart home, I think it's an interesting conversation. But before we start that, very quickly, I just want to talk a little bit about what happened last week with regards to the news about Amazon. And it was a pretty small mention. The Wall Street Journal had a mention of the cabinet in an article about how Amazon is laying off a lot of the people behind the fire phone. Now the fire phone was pretty much an unmitigated disaster. No one really disputes that. And lab 126, the, the division response for that in California, the hardware division laid off quite a few folks. So it's not a surprise, but the cabinet was a surprise because I've been following Amazon, as you know, very closely with regards to their smart home efforts. Talk a lot about the Amazon echo talked a lot about, some of the other efforts are doing. And also I have them coming to the smart kitchen summit. I have two people from Amazon coming to speak, uh, the head of their home automation retail side, their home improvement side. Also have the, I also have the, the guy helping to drive the Amazon dash initiative, Daniel Rausch, but I had yet to hear about their smart kitchen computer that they're driving. And so as to what this cabinet is, the Amazon kitchen computer, what it will do, we don't really know right now, but I, I speculated a little bit about what it could do for an article for Forbes. 
And let me give you some of the thoughts I had. I mean, I think, quite frankly, it'll have a screen. One of the things I, I can't anticipate that it will have is a screen, because if it is a kitchen computer, it'll be a device that allows you to probably touch screen and, and change things. So that's one way it'll differ from the Amazon Echo. Because my initial thoughts were, is this just a souped-up Amazon Echo? Because in the description, it says it'll be a device that allows you to interact with it via voice and order stuff from Amazon. Well, that sounds like an Amazon Echo. But I doubt that it's, it's just a souped-up Amazon Echo. I imagine that it, it features a touchscreen, probably has some dashboards around some of the things that you're ordering, allows you to see into what you have in your food inventory, what's in the cupboard, maybe what's in your, your kitchen cabinet, what's in the refrigerator. Who knows, maybe it touches and connects into sensors that allows you to see what's going on around the kitchen. But bottom line, and what I expect it to be, quite frankly, is a connected hub for the for the kitchen. It'll integrate all the different efforts that Amazon has around the kitchen, including Alexa, uh, voice control, and personal assistant technology. It'll integrate Amazon Dash technology, which is the technology that does auto-replenishment auto around consumables. I think it'll also integrate Amazon Fresh and the ability to actually do Amazon ordering of groceries. And I think it'll have a dashboard to let you see everything that you have ordered, what you want to order, maybe have some calendaring, basically a, a computer for the kitchen. I mean, it really is kind of self-explanatory. In other news, beyond the cabinet, speaking of thermostats, because we are talking with Koss about the new Hive 2, Nest announced their new Nest 3 thermostat. As you probably remember, uh, a month or two ago, Nest refreshed a couple of their products, the Nest Protect thermostat, and also they introduced a new Nest Cam, which was basically the successor to the DropCam 2, the DropCam HD. But curiously, at the time, they didn't refresh the Nest thermostat, which is kind of the crown jewel of the Nest product line. And so we had some hints last week when, when David Zatz uncovered an FCC filing, basically hinting at a new Nest thermostat that would incorporate 5 gigahertz Wi-Fi. And so it wasn't all that surprising that today they announced a new product. Now, what does the new product include? What does How does it differ from the Nest 2? Well, first of all, it's a, going to be a $249 thermostat, and the Nest 2 has been dropped to $199. The display is 40% bigger in terms of actually how much of a display there is. I guess you could say there's less Chrome, or what they typically have called Chrome around a browser. There's less of that border, and the actual display is much bigger, 40% bigger. The new thermostat also includes what they call Farsight. So Farsight uh, basically is the ability to detect presence of a person for the Nest 3 within a room. Previously with the Nest 2, you basically had to be in front of it for the Nest thermostat to really go on. That's about as far as the reach was for its motion and presence detector. But now with the Farsight, it can actually detect across a room. So that reminds me a little bit about what the Ecobee 3 can do. The Ecobee 3 presence sensor is pretty good. It's basically, it knows when I'm coming down the hallway or within a room. It, it, it lights up. So I think that the Nest 3 essentially is caught up with the Ecobee 3 in terms of presence detection and motion detection. And it also has what's called Furnace Heads Up. Now, Furnace Heads Up is this feature that basically it looks for problems and it will alert you to problems with your furnace. So if there's uh, a furnace that does automatic shutoff or turns off to avoid things like overheating, and this happens repeatedly, your nest will notify you and say, hey, this thing is happening. There's probably a problem. It'll put in put it into your monthly home report from your nest. And I think that's interesting. 
But overall, if I look at what I what we were getting for the new S3, not, nothing super groundbreaking, nothing super exciting. I mean, a bigger display, um, a faster Wi-Fi, uh, I think is interesting. I think that maybe maybe we'll probably see more features uncovered over time with this Nest 3 than what we're seeing today. They're probably, with all those radios in there, an 802.15.4 radio, which the Nest 2 had, but also you know Weave capability, built-in, faster Wi-Fi. We may see more features down the road, but by and large today, uh, what we're getting with the Nest 3 isn't all that super groundbreaking from my perspective. So the last piece of news I wanted to mention was some news coming out of LG just in time for the this week's IFA convention in, in Berlin. Now, LG is an interesting company. They've had smart appliances for some time. They've been one of the, the kind of the more aggressive companies developing smart technology for their refrigerators. But overall, their smart home t- strategy and their ho- smart home efforts have been somewhat discombobulated. You haven't really seen a, a kind of a unified theme from them. And that may be starting to change. And I think what's most interesting that the, in terms of their new announcements for, for IFA is they're announcing a new SmartThink sensor that is a sensor that goes on to devices like a home appliances to basically add smart home connectivity to them. So basically creating a retrofit SmartThink sensor, uh, SmartThink Q sensor that goes on to devices like washing machines or dryers and basically sends alerts for when these things are done. Now, apparently, this device also allows you to do remote control, so you can actually connect to appliances and actually turn them on and off with your smartphone as well. So as you as you have heard in previous podcasts, I'm a big fan and big believer in retrofit smart homes. It's, I think it's too early for me to know just how capable this uh, retrofit sensor and smart connectivity device is in terms of, you know, can you connect into any LG device? It's probably too soon to tell. You certainly probably cannot connect into non-LG devices, so that that's uh, that's probably to be expected. But by and large, I think that's interesting. So, so check that out. I'll link to that in the show notes, that story as well. All right, folks, that's it for catching up on the news. It was an abbreviated news catch-up this week. We'll hopefully have more next week. If you want to listen to more Smart Home Shows, you know where to go. Go to technology.fm. You also can go to thesmartomeshow.com. Once again, thanks for listening. Here's my conversation with Kaz Hussain of British Gas. Well, I'm really happy to welcome Koss Hussein, who's the Director of Connected Homes at British Gas, to the Smart Home Show. How are you doing, Koss? Very well, thank you, Michael. How are you? Doing great. Well, you know, we've had a, a little bit of a conversation before the podcast, and uh, I'm just impressed with the, the level of commitment from British Gas to Connected Home. Uh, you had just talked about how uh, your, your, your chief, the head of the company, has said Connected Home is a, one of three big areas for investment. Uh, I think you said you're going to be invested a hundred million pounds per year for the next three years. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. So, um, Centrica, Ian Conn recently joined Centrica and, um, he joined around about the beginning of this year. And the first thing he did was spend a lot of time going across the businesses. I mean, we are a huge organization, over 30,000 employees just in the UK alone. And, and so he looked around the business and we obviously do very traditional energy. So gas and gas and elect. Uh, we have a services business uh, looking after people's furnaces and HVAC systems. And he spent a lot of time here in Connected Homes. And he said, look, you know, my feeling is that this is strategically really important for us for, for two or three reasons. The first was that our core business models in energy and services need to evolve. You need to keep updating them. And the way that customers want to look after their homes and manage their homes we have to update, and connected homes can play a very important role. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a moment. But, and, and so it was about 
providing a capability to allow us to extend and enhance our existing services and energy business models. The second thing he talked about was around really trying to create new lines of revenue for, for this organization. Uh, and that was really, really important to him. He said, look, we've got to continue to look for new growth areas as well. Uh, and last but not least, um, he wanted to help try and create something that would provide some modernity and innovation credentials for Centric and British Gas, because utilities, being frank, aren't necessarily always renowned for innovation, though I think that's a, a bit of a misnomer, for, certainly within Centric and British Gas, who have done a lot of things in the innovation space. Uh, and so he's he was very clear that this is where we want to invest in. And £100 million, which is about $170 million, I think, per annum over the next five years, will be invested across all of our territories. It's a significant focus. And I think one of the things you, you talked about earlier, which uh, made sense to me, is, you know, British gas and more generally, you know, utilities in the UK oftentimes are viewed as stodgy businesses, uh, not really being really innovative and probably much like uh, utilities and even broadband service providers here in the U.S., you know, people oftentimes don't have the highest opinion of them. You know, uh, when you do kind of uh, surveys, uh, that's just the, the nature of the game. So one of the things you guys are trying to do is innovate and also uh, maybe resonate a little bit more closely with consumers by creating products that are a little more different and a little more uh, innovative than your traditional products. Sure. So, uh, well, let's talk a little bit about your, your comments. So some of that comment about them being stodgy and perhaps not the most innovative is, is a little bit unfair, but some of it I can also see it being fair. So when you've talked about an industry for many years, hasn't need to evolve its business model, then you can afford to be a bit more, should we say, slower paced about how you do things. And until fairly recently, they haven't had, utilities around the world, not just central British gas, haven't necessarily had to move as quickly as they've needed to. But with the Internet of Things and some of the, well, let's start with the customer. Customers' needs and expectations are changing. We're increasingly living in a connected world, whether it be your broadband connection or your smartphone. Consumers are very happy with apps to manage parts of their lives. So whether it be calling a taxi like through Uber or Halo as we have in the UK, whether it's managing your bank accounts, they're starting to look around their home and go, well, actually, why can't my energy companies give me some near real-time billing information? So with your telcos, you go online, you look at your accounts, it's pretty near real-time. Why can't utilities do that? And how do I control and manage my energy? So these are all things that I think consumers' needs are changing. So we start from there. The second thing is that the advent of technologies also meant that there may be non-traditional players coming into the market. So, for example, you can see a lot of smart thermostat providers coming in, and the key is the customer relationship. And you could easily imagine a world where someone inserts themselves between you and the relationship, uh, and the, that's the relationship between your business and the customer. And rightly so, if you don't innovate, because... Frankly, if, if customers aren't happy, they should go to the, the person that meets their needs and, de and demands. So we need to be very mindful of that and say, well, actually, we can't allow that to happen. We need to be serving customers' needs so they don't need anybody else. Uh, and so that's why we've recognized as a business that we needed to change. And what Centrica was unique in was not only recognizing that they needed to change, but it's how they went about executing that change because they accepted, look, We've got a bunch of guys in the organization who are absolutely fantastic at managing our utilities business. But actually, in this different world of IoT and more consumer-facing products, we need some very different DNA and skills uh, necessary from outside of the utilities industry. And that's why people like myself who've come from media and telecoms and a lot of consumer product uh, areas have been brought into the organization. We set up a dedicated business unit 
here in, in the UK, right in central London, away from corporate HQ to get access to talent, but also to create a different culture and vibe in this, in this building uh, to try and create something that will delight customers. Let's talk a little bit about the products you have. Um, I think you guys announced the Hive 2 within the last month or two. It's your second-generation connected thermostat. It's a, it's a nice-looking device. Not a surprise because you guys worked with a, a well-known uh, designer in the U.S., Eve Bahar, uh, who I, you could just tell looking at it, it has some of his flourishes to it. So we'll talk about the product sets, uh, where you are right now. Sure. So um, we have a number of products within the connected homes team, and I'll, I'll, I'll end on Hive 2 in a minute. But... Um, some of those products, uh, it's worth mentioning, Hive is a sub-brand of British Gas. And we deliberately wanted to appeal to the right sorts of people that adopt these products very early on. And, and some of our uh, parent brands may not be the right brands to do that. So we felt we needed a different brand, had a different tone of voice, potentially a different way of doing things. And that's why we created the Hive brand. So Connected Homes, this business unit in uh, British Gas, actually has a number of products. So one of the products is called My Energy or My Energy Live. And that essentially is badged British Gas. That will provide you your energy report. So we can tell you right up to yesterday what you spent, and not in kilowatts, uh, kilowatt hours. We will tell you in pounds and pence because that's what everybody understands. We've made that really easy to use. It's just as beautiful to use as any website that you may like out there. Uh, My Energy Live then can provide, because we have over 600,000 smart meters in the market, we can take that data and tell customers their energy consumption 10 to 12 seconds behind real time. Uh, and so what that means is that energy often is a very difficult concept for people to understand. They feel like there's not much they can do about it, and this bill lands on their doormat once a month or once a quarter, and what I've been done to, and what am I going to do about this, and I don't even understand what I'm paying for. So what we wanted to do with, the, with these reports was to really help customers understand in pounds and pence what they consume. The second thing we wanted to do was really start to we use some clever algorithms to disaggregate and break down what we think that level of spend is in their home. So typically UK homes, 40 to 50% of your spend is on heating. So we say that's that. Then you've got uh, your hot water, if you've got a hot water tank and all the other items in your house. So we start to help customers build that picture of, of what they're actually consuming. So that's the first base. Help me understand. The second base is help me control that. And this is where... My Energy Live is a great product because it's an app that goes on your phone. So, for an example, we, we know the base load in your home. If you leave your home and you've got your smartphone on you and your base load's higher than it should have been, then we could just drop you a little notification and say, hey, Michael, did you know you left home and you might have left something back on? Did you mean to do that? And so we can help customers start to control their energy consumption. And this is where Hive becomes really powerful because for two reasons. The first is obviously... 40 to 50% of your energy consumption is, is heating. 7.8 million homes every year in the United Kingdom are being heated that are empty. And that is because people set a schedule and they often forget about it. And when we look into why they don't change that schedule, well, it's quite an archaic device and difficult to control and manage. Uh, it's it's, uh, it's uh, often tucked away. Um, one person in the house knows how to do it. They don't want to fiddle with it. So unless you have the mandatory five-year-old in the home to reprogram it, you can't do anything about it. Uh, and, and they're just really poor, poorly designed devices. Uh, and, but So with Hive, we made it easy because you can do it on the app. The other thing that we've got devices, we've declared our intent not just to Hive 2, which I'll talk about in a moment, but is to move into the other smart home products. So we announced smart plugs. 
So, for example, I've had a scenario umpteen times where I'm in the car with my wife. We're driving down the road, and she said, did I turn the hair straighteners off? <laughs> so we sort of turn around and go back, or did I leave the iron on is the one that I often do. And so if you had a smart plug, you could just control that, turn it on and off, check it, whether it's on or off. And the second thing is I'm traveling a lot away from home, and we put door sensors in. And I'd just like to know, if my door opens late at night, send me a little prompt just so I can check in and know it's a peace of mind, right? You can know that the family is safe and sound. So that's one thing. Motion sensors as well, we've declared that intent to go into that. And the other one that we're looking at is light bulbs, which will be coming out. Now, actually, these individual products are good in themselves, but when you start to bring them together, that's really, really exciting. And that's what we're excited about because the individual products are just like the infrastructure, so, for example, if I have lights and a motion sensor, my children, I don't know about yours, I have two children, uh, a five-year-old and an 11-year-old, they seem to have this amazing ability to turn things on but never off. So I'll, I'll go through the house and all the lights get switched on. Well, you put a motion sensor in there, if there's no activity in that room for five minutes, switch it off. Uh, so that's the products that we've declared. Now, when we launched Hive One, our original thermostat, we designed all of the apps and the products from the ground up, and we were delighted with the digital experience we had. I mean, that was it was 2013, a, right? That's right. 2013, September, we launched, and we were delighted with the digital design, but we kept looking at the thermostat, the physical thermostat, which was a, um, a thermostat, we, thermostat we'd taken off the shelf. And just, you know, when you've got that feeling that I could do better, it's a bit like when I used to take my school grades home to my father and you'd say, well, I've got a B plus. Well, you know you could just do a little bit better. And we felt we could go for that A plus. And so what we did was uh, engage with the Fuse Project, Eve Bahar, who did, who's done a number of beautiful products. And we said to Eve, look, we really need to reinvent this thermostat from the ground up. So we started not with, here's a thermostat. We started with customer insights, spent a lot of time with customers, engineers. We looked at installers. We wanted to look at what, what the customer need was. And we went back to first principles and designed that entire thermostat to do two or three things. The first was, it's got a mirrored finish on it. And it's literally a mirror finish to reflect your home. What we didn't want is lights jumping out at you. There's enough things buzzing in your home trying to grab your attention. So this thing, when it's not being used, just has a nice reflective finish with an iconic dial in the middle. As soon as you touch it, it comes to life and it brings up what the current temperature is, what the temperature is just setting. So there was every minutia of that thermostat was argued and debated and we wanted this thing to look absolutely gorgeous so you're proud of putting this on your wall not something you tuck away so that was the first thing it had to look beautiful but the most important thing actually wasn't just that it's got to look beautiful it's got to be usable so let me give you an example the original thermostats we took a collection of thermostats that we we provided british gas from third parties and we put them in front of customers and some of these devices less than 10 percent of people could program them Right? And that's a shocking statistic. For decades in the industry, we've put out devices that less than 10% of people could program. And given my earlier comments, 7.8 million homes being heated when they're empty, well, I'm not surprised because if it needs a PhD or three hours to reprogram it, you're not going to touch it. There's too much friction there. And so the key thing for us was making this usable. The UX and the usability of this thing was a primary interest. And not just for some of the tech folks like me and, 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 and my colleagues, I wanted my mum, my dad, the grandparents to be able to use this device. And the Hive 2 has actually got a bit of a retro feel to it, for, especially for the UK market. And when we put that through customer labs and testing, because we co-created with customers throughout the entire development process, over 90%, 94% were able to program that device 
straight out of the box with no instruction manual. And that was us, was, was just delightful. That's what we were achieving. So we got usability and absolute beauty. So the Hive 2 and, and more generally your thermostat, uh, the Hive idea, the platform is going to serve as the hub that all these other devices will connect to. Talk about if you're, if you're installing you know, what we would call a smart home, British Gas rolls out, their engineers install it. Is the Hive the centerpiece? It is. So Hive, um, originally Hive 2, as we called it, was all about heating and thermostats. But as I said, we're going much more broad. So Hive now, so actually the platform is called Honeycomb. And this platform was a, was, a, was an acquisition we made in a company called AlertMe over in Cambridge. They're the company been around for quite a while, since I think early 2005, 2006, and I can check those facts for you. But this company has had some real expertise uh, in providing products to IoT products to customers and consumers. Uh, and this Honeycomb platform has been designed to scale to millions of endpoints or devices in the home. Uh, and, and we've seen a huge take-up. So in the UK, we are the largest smart thermostat provider by a country mile, over 200,000 installs in the UK, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. Now, that platform in the cloud, it's, 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 a, it's a standard cloud platform, in your home connects to a hub. And that hub plugs into your broadband router, router sorry, and uh, essentially provides us a Zigbee. We're talking about the UK. You could call it router if you want. Fine. <laughs> well, I was just accepting my, my company here, and I thought I'd better use the right parts. Um, so uh, this device provides a, a Zigbee interface. And the hub in the home is really the other part of the platform. The, right. the platform really is two components. It's the cloud platform. And it's the hub in your home. And that hub, the reason we wanted to use Zigbee is because a lot of devices are going to be battery powered. Stick them on Wi-Fi. And by the way, I know Wi-Fi is doing a lot of work to try and make it more energy efficient. So, but at the time we went to market and we see for quite a considerable amount of time, if you want battery life in excess of two, three, four, five years, you really need to use something like Zigbee. I know Z-Wave is another amazing protocol as well. <clears throat> and so the thermostat is a battery powered thermostat. And a lot of the new devices will be battery powered. So that the hub then talks to all the endpoints in your home for that Zigbee connection. Uh, the other thing, the reason for having the hub was that we could distribute some of the intelligence away from the cloud into your home. There are certain things, for example, that you need to do quite quickly. Um, and, and to reduce latency and stuff, you can shovel some of those tasks down into the, into the hub. The hub also, in the future, doesn't do it today. If you lose your broadband connection, sure, we can drop back to cellular for backup, but... Actually, you want to maintain some local control. I mean, people are used to lights. I call it light switch levels of reliability, right? When's the last time you walked over to a light switch and it didn't work, right? And so we think that the Internet of Things has got to achieve that level of reliability. So if your broadband connection is down, you're not going to put up with that. So having some ability to have local control. And the last point, which I think is really critical for IoT, is security. Now, that hub provides like a firewall capability. Yes, sure, you can have loads of endpoints talking directly to the cloud and the internet, but I think we've all seen a number of scares around some fairly big brands and products who've had security breaches. So rather than trying to harden every single endpoint, let's put them behind a hub, and that hub can be very severely hardened, as in security hardened, uh, and protect the rest of your home, because the home area network is absolutely critical. And I... If we want to keep customer confidence in this stuff, we really need to be absolutely have security at the top of our list of things to do. Real quickly, just to kind of uh, dive in a little bit on the Honeycomb platform. That was the word mean, as you said. That's been rebranded to Honeycomb. Uh, it's currently managing. It's been scaled up to 200,000 households. You guys also, word me, was the platform behind Lowe's Iris 
for the first generation. Um, and my understanding is they're moving to a, an in-house solution. But but more broadly, are you looking to to take Honeycomb as a business and have other companies you know, outside of British Gas uh, use it as a platform for IoT? Uh, absolutely. So <clears throat> Centrica, the, the company that owns British Gas, actually owns um, a, a Texas-based company, uh, Direct Energy, uh, and a whole bunch of other sub-brands underneath that who provide both energy and services. Uh, and so we're very heavily uh, already in, in, in both Canada and the United States. And my colleagues and I are currently in conversations about when we will bring this capability and this platform uh, over to North America. So watch this space very soon. Let's talk about some differences between the UK market and the, and the US market. You know, you, in the UK market, you largely use boilers and use hot water to heat the homes. Uh, you have some of that on the East Coast in the US, but it's, it's, it's pretty different. A lot of air, air heating in the US. So how transferable is the Hive 2, for example, uh, to the U.S. market, does do you need to do a lot of uh, uh, a lot of work to bring it to the U.S. market? Sure. So, um, key difference in the U.K. market, we use something called condensing boilers and radiators. Right, this is pumping around gallons of hot water around your house, which can take quite a while to heat up. You guys are slightly less patient than uh, slightly less patient than we are, so you use air cooled or heated systems. Uh, and I've always noticed this. Whenever I've gone to U.S., I switch on the heating or the cooling, and it's bang, it's there. In, in British homes, you have to wait quite a while sometimes. But So there's some real fundamental differences. HVACs, AC systems are, are, are dominant in the North American market. Um, so the two things we're looking at right now, the first is Hive 2 was originally, uh, it's a British innovation. It's a British, uh, it's a British uh, it was a design for a British market. But actually, we deliberately chose a West Coast design company, so Ibahar and the Fuse Project, because we had this eye on the North American market, and we think that design will also uh, extend into North America, but we're going to do, do some customer labs and testing around that to make sure our colleagues across the pond are, are happy with it and it will get some traction. The second thing is, obviously, interfacing that uh, thermostat with your heating systems will require some modification. So at a basic level, in the UK, uh, temperatures, you have this thing that before you get to the setting, let's say you set 20 degrees centigrade, which I'm sorry, I don't know what it is in Fahrenheit, but we set 20 degrees centigrade. Actually, you need to stop your heating system in some cases earlier than that at 19 because the house will continue to heat. So you require some, some algorithms that will switch off earlier. Now, in the North American market where your heat, uh, sorry, air, cool and heated systems, you need to be a much more responsive. So that's one example of some modifications that will be required. You've obviously got different suppliers out there and interfaces. So it'll be a bit of work to modify that for a HVAC and AC system, but we're pretty confident we can do that. Talk a little bit about the channels to market. Obviously, British Gas is a large fleet uh, of uh, in-the-field engineers and installers, um, and you guys are a utility, so that makes sense. But do you have any designs on becoming or having some of your products go through retail or through the DIY channel? Oh, okay, so I'm glad you asked that. Sorry, I should have been I should have mentioned this perhaps earlier. So you can purchase Hive in a number of ways today. So we have engineers, 10,000 engineers in the UK making 50,000 visits into customers' home. Actually, these guys don't sell. And we don't want them to sell. What they do is they advise customers. And in fact, these guys are so precious about the customer experience, they will, to the detriment of the company, give the customer the best advice if they need to. And that, to me, is the right damn thing to do, right? If it ain't good for the customer, don't advise them. So often when they go into customers' homes and they're, and they're carrying an annual service visit or whether they're fixing something, they can hand them the, the smartphone and say, hey, have a look at this system for and, and, and to control your heating. And... Often, a lot of times, because of the advice from the engineer, 
customers have seen it on TV, they kind of go, yeah, I'll have some of that. That's, that. that sounds brilliant. So we do advertise on TV. We sell for our engineers, and that's where a lot of our sales are coming. But we're actually in a lot of retail stores here in the UK. So we're in the Apple Store. You can buy Hive in the Apple Store. We're in Dixon's, Carphone Warehouse. Uh, we're in John Lewis. So we're in all the major retailers here in the UK, and we're just about to, to move into the uh, what we call builders, merchants, trade uh, guys. So I, what's your equipment? B and Q and Screw Fix and, and stuff like that. Like the Iris. Uh, sorry, yeah, Lowe's. so Lowe's or Home Depot. Yeah, exactly. So those types of stores we're now starting to move into. We're talking to uh, home builders. So actually, you can purchase Hive. You can go online, hivehome.com, and buy it from there. So there's multiple channels to, to market for this. Well, this has been great. Um, I, it's been really interesting to hear about the differences between the market. You guys also, I think, have some interest in, in targeting the mainland Europe market. But uh, from the sounds of it in our earlier conversation, uh, after the UK, US is a big focus for you guys, and then Europe. Absolutely. So that's one of the most interests that Centric has is, is in North America. Our DE colleagues are um, really excited about, direct energy colleagues are really excited about bringing this over to, to North America. Uh, put it this way, if I didn't bring it over there next and focus on them there, next, I would probably have some really heated debates and, and phone calls. So they're super excited like we are. And being really candid with you, I love traveling to the US. And if I can get another excuse to go and spend some more time over there, we'll be, uh, we'll be there fairly soon. So it's look, being serious, it's all, it's all the English-speaking countries, right? That's typically what happens when you get a product go hit all the English-speaking countries as well. So apart from the fact that it's also one of our major interest areas, secondly, it's an English-speaking country. Uh, and thirdly, we think we can make a substantial difference coupled with our energy and services business with direct energy in the United States to make a real impact and give something very meaningful and differentiated to consumers there. Great. Hey, well, Cass, thanks for talking to me and talking a little bit about the initiatives you, you guys have going at British Gas and more broadly Centrico. Uh, and uh, it's been a good conversation. Brilliant. Thank you for your time. Well, that was it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Kaz Hussain, learned a little bit about what they're doing over there in the UK, what British, British Gas is doing with regards to developing their own hardware, as well as what they're doing with regards to rolling out managed smart home services uh, across the UK and, and elsewhere. All right, folks, thanks for listening. If you want to check out uh, the Smart Home Show, listen to more episodes, go to technology.fm or go to the smarthomeshow.com. If you want to read my weekly newsletter on the Smart Home, go to smarthomeweekly.net. You can subscribe there. And if you're interested in the Connected Kitchen at all, or if you're a company thinking of creating a product or a creator thinking of creating a product in that space, go to SmartKitchenSummit.com and check it out. We're actually having a startup cook-off at the event on November 5th, so I would encourage you to apply or tell any friends you have that are interested in creating a product to apply to that pitch-off as well. All right, folks, thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs>